Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Great. Good. One person is great. That's enough for me. The uh, did a lot. Was doing quite a bit of reading this week and and came across uh, a couple of things that uh, I'm going to have to eat crow on. Um, Andrew uh, found me a site that uh, I can't remember the name. It was Snoops or Snopes. Okay, um, that the uh, that the sirloin story is an urban legend. It's been around for hundreds of years, but it's an urban legend. So, Eddie Crow on that one. And, uh, Sounded good though. It, it was a great story. <laughs> some of the some of my best stories are totally made up. The uh, <laughs> you can ask my kids about that. And uh, <coughs> um, another one that we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit, but um. You notice, have you noticed that we've gone from a group called this to a group called this to a group called this? And some of them, like the Monetists and the Dantonists and, and Waldensians, kind of popped up in completely different places with the same general beliefs, but didn't. There isn't necessarily a direct line. It's not like somebody went from this place to this place to this place. Um, the only direct line seems to be the Holy Spirit Amen. coming up with the same, uh, with, with the same, and occasionally you end up with things that are slightly different, um, where you know a belief over here is is different than what we believe today, or or different from what um, other Baptist groups believe, and. And they're called different things. And today we're today we go from being Anabaptists to being Baptists, for one thing. Um, the the term Anabaptist means to be rebaptized. And uh, as we pointed out in here a few weeks ago, how many of us are Anabaptists have been rebaptized, and, and a lot of us raised our hands. Um, but at some point along here. The, both friends and foes came to the conclusion that there were a lot of people who weren't being rebaptized; they were only being baptized as adults. And even the Anabaptists, were, and I'll and I'll say this: I, I was baptized when I was 20, but I was uh, sprinkled when I was a month old. You know, and I don't I don't refer to that as baptism anymore. For a long time, I did, but. After a while, you, you say, oh, that's not really baptism, that's, a, that's something else. And so we switched from the word Anabaptist to Baptist. Around the, mostly in Switzerland is where it begins. Um, and then um, about the 15, about 1500, 1500s is when this happens. Um, and we're gonna, but there are still groups today that are draw the same heritage that we have as Baptists, but are different than what we are today and, and call themselves different. Um, and one of them, one of the groups that we are closely regarded to are the Mennonites. Um, the, the when Menon you hear the term Mennonite, what do you think of? Okay. Related to the Amish, and they are related to the Amish, both family-wise and heritage-wise. Well, we, 
the general conference of the the, the general Mennonite conference has got a huge um, relief program they do. They're pacifists, and that is one of the big things that comes to mind for me right away. Is that they're that the the Mennonites. The I'm going to I'm going to get to the difference between the Amish and the Mennonites in, in a little There's bit. The, yeah, there, there is there is some, there's quite a bit of truth to that. Yes, the the Amish came out of the Mennonites, not the other way around. Um, anybody else have any? Okay, the uh, it's it starts with a guy by the name of Menno Simons, so they could be the Simonites instead. Um, uh, but Menno Simons uh, was was born in the late 1400s, 1496, um, you know, soon after Columbus discovers America. Uh, during his lifetime, he's got um, a, lot of, a lot of huge world events are going on during his lifetime. The uh, Little Ice Age begins, which always, whenever I read about that as a, as a reference, I think, Nobody knows anything about the Little Ice Age. Nobody talks about the Little Ice Age as a reference of time. And yet, and it just goes to show you just how piddly a, a few degrees of uh, climate change really makes in world history. I mean, okay, so there was a period of a couple hundred years where, where the, the average temperature dropped about 10 degrees. And, okay, average temperature dropped a few degrees. And average temperature goes up a few degrees. It happens anyway. Little, but it's edit, a crisis li- little, today. little editorial comments going on there. That uh, um, other people, um, you probably heard of uh, Michelangelo. Uh, he was a. They didn't know each other, but they were living at the same time. Uh, Martin Luther, Thomas More, Henry the Henry the Eighth was the same time. Uh, William Shakespeare was at the same time. Um, uh, and then, of course, a huge amount of the um, people who were exploring America was at this time, especially the Spaniards. Um, how many, I know a lot of homeschoolers have read Walk the World's Edge, um, or the World's the Rim, the Rim, World's Rim. Great book, same time that, that this is going on. Um, Menno, uh, Menno Simons. Uh, is born in a place called uh, Friesland, which is right on the border there between the Netherlands and Germany. Uh, as the name tends to give you an idea, it was a free state. It, was a, it wasn't ruled by, by anybody else. It was part of the Holy Roman Empire, but it was a, it was a free state. And, but it wasn't a free state for very long. The Saxons came along and, and whooped up on them. And then uh, the Habsburgs, who were ruling the Holland at that time, came over and whooped up on them, and then the Saxons, and then the Habsburgs. And it was a war-torn land when Menno Simons was, was growing up, which may have contributed to his pacifism later on, because he, he grew up with, with war all around him. Uh, he, he became a Catholic priest. Have you noticed how many of these leaders were Catholic priests at one time? Um, which... In some ways, makes sense because people who were 
who became Catholic priests had some of the best education of anybody on, on the European continent. And he, he became a priest, and after being ordained a priest, he for the first time began to read the Bible. I mean, he didn't read the Bible. Ever. He, he himself said he never read the Bible before he became a priest. Um, and, and he only began to read the Bible when he started to see things that he was a very intelligent man, didn't make sense to him. Uh, and one of them um, was the, the practice of uh, trans... I can't say this word. Trans Transubstantiation. That's the word I'm saying. Um, which means... Go ahead. Well... It's views of the of the elements of communion, and um, some view that when you take the bread, that it actually becomes the body of Christ. Don't Roman Catholics believe that? And um, of course, we don't believe that. It's a symbol of his body. It's a symbol of his blood. Otherwise. We'd be crucifying Christ every time we had communion, if it actually became his body. Um, and when he was crucified, he said, it is finished. So, that was a major issue, and it still is a major issue. And incidentally, when you say to someone of the Catholic faith, have you received Jesus Christ? They'd say, yes. I did last night at Mass. I received Christ. And that's why a lot of the terms that we just throw out, mm -hmm. um, they can be taken a lot of different ways. Sacred Heart Catholic Church this morning is celebrating First Communion for a number of you know the young kids, um, and it's it is a it's a big deal. And not that communion shouldn't be a big deal, but it is it is an um, it is a means of grace to a lot of these churches, meaning that it plays a part in your salvation, that it is how grace of God is imparted to you. And um, it's, to a, us, it's a mystical thing. It's right. A, it be, it's a magical. That's, that's not the word that they would use, but it, that, uh, that the bread actually becomes the body of Christ and the wine actually becomes the blood of Christ. And Menno Simon looked through his you know, looked through this and went, I, I don't see where this, where this came from. And it uh, certainly doesn't see where, where the local priest is somehow given this power to change, um, change wine into blood. Um, water into wine, maybe? Wine into blood? No. Uh, and Marvin. Right. It, um, yes. And Menno Simon came to the same conclusion. And so, as in anything, when you start, when you find one thing that is a major, you go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. You start noticing other things. And then it came to his knowledge of this group called Anabaptists, rebaptizers. And boy, that is weird. Um, 
that is really weird. And and he started thinking about that. Why in the world, you know, wait until they're adults and on. And and uh, so, by golly, he was going to check that out in the Bible and came to the conclusion, wait a minute, the way we're doing with infant baptism, this makes no sense either. And so he, at this point, begin, he, he makes his break from the Catholic Church and is going to become... You're going to become an Anabaptist. Now, here's my second little piece of eating crow. I put the uh, my business card there in the where where the other one is, um, the, uh, uh, and that was and this is a footnote in history this big, but it is a footnote in history. We've been I, we have been saying <clears throat> that there's no place in history where the Baptists or the Anabaptists took up arms, right, and, and tried to make their own government and stuff. Map wrong. Uh, there is one place in history, uh, and it was in uh, 14, excuse me, 1534, 1535, in this city in Germany called Munster, uh, where they later made a sitcom, yeah, Herman <laughs> and Lily and Eddie. Anyway, uh, <coughs> the Munsters, and... Um, and they, the Anabaptists were very strongly uh, entrenched in the city of Munster. I, I mean, they were already there, and they were practicing. And there were a lot of, of uh, Anabaptists there. And they literally took over the city and established a Baptist theocracy and um, sought recognition on the same level as the Lutherans and the Catholics uh, in the Holy Roman Empire as we are a Baptist theocracy here in Munster. And I looked and I, I tried to find, you know, was it a, was it a bloodless re- revolution? Was it a, was it a bloody revolution? What was it? And I honestly could not find it. I mean, I don't know if anybody was, do you know? I don't. I, um, I do know that, I do know that when it ended with the Saxon government uh, next door coming in and and slaughtering a lot of people, and <coughs> literally from from this huge building, um, and I'm not sure even I saw the pictures, but it doesn't say whether it's a church. It looks like a church, but they ha- had cages that they that they put the Baptist leaders in and hung them, not, not hanged them, but hung them in these cages outside this big building, out in the elements, and, and just left them up there. And again, I couldn't even find if they left them up there to die or if this was their prison cells. Or There's not a lot about it. In, in, I mean, I've looked all over the place, and there's not a lot about it. But... Um, Apparently, at one time, there was this one brief moment in history that the Baptists tried to set up a theocracy, and it did not work. With the Baptist as the state church. Right. Which really then would... Um, make them cease to be Baptists. Yeah, <laughs> make them cease to be Baptists. Yeah. But, yep, interesting. You got anything else on that? Okay, well, um, Menno Simon um, saw this, and said, you know, this is not right either. That, that 
the way the Catholics are doing it is not right. But, but this group of Anabaptists here trying to take over the city and run the, run the show that way and defending, the, and defending themselves by the sword, um, that's not right either. And so he, I can't say he broke off from the Anabaptists because it's, it's another one of these of springing up out of nowhere. Exactly. I mean, the guy went from being a Catholic priest to, to leading this group that was Anabaptists in so many ways. In fact, you know, I, I, you can't say they, that they weren't Anabaptists, um, but wanted to distance himself from, from this other group of Anabaptists, this radical group of Anabaptists that had taken over the city of Munster. And they, um, and so, so, you've, so you've got this group. They're not called the Mennonites at this point. In fact, they're not called Mennonites until long after he's dead. Um, he, he calls himself an Anabaptist, and he's, and if you talk to Anabaptist or uh, Mennonites who know their own history, they call them, you know, yeah, we were Anabaptists, and we came out of, I mean, we eventually, just like we became Baptists out of Anabaptists, they became Mennonites out of, out of Anabaptists, um, and the big, the big thing that separated them from the Anabaptists or from the Baptists today is the idea of pacifism. That, that they, they just will not, they won't go to war. They won't do it. And they won't do anything that glorifies war. And they won't do anything that glorifies the state. Um, my first, <clears throat> and today, that, that tradition holds over today. The, my first job in education was I was the first baseball coach at the Iowa Mennonite School over in Kelowna. And it was a great experience. It, it was a wonderful experience. And they, but they, their kids don't go to the military. I mean, just, they do not go. Um, they, they offered me a job as a history teacher there. And I honestly said, how do you teach American history without glorifying war? I mean, because the history of the United States is a history of war and a history of go fight, win war. Um, and, I mean, really, it, I don't know that I've ever taught war that I didn't glorify it. And maybe I shouldn't, but that's, you do. It, it's part of it. And, and so that's different. One other thing that's different about the Mennonites today. Um, oh, by the way, I'll also throw out, they, they don't... Uh, the Mennonites don't play the national anthem before their sporting events, which is a little different because it's a glorification of the state rather than glorifying. That they sing a hymn before. Do they? Yeah. It's. At baseball, we didn't do anything because it was, you know, outside. It, it, but at, at basketball games, and I've only been to like three of their basketball games, and I can't tell you whether it was the same hymn or not. They have been. anyway. It's like war. Too much like war. Huh? They play soccer. <laughs> they were like the original soccer team in Iowa. Anyway, so communism's involved in it as well. That's um, right. Anyway, there you go. So, that, so, but no. The other thing. The other thing is they don't believe in secu eternal security. And Menno Simon did not have that belief. Menno Simon didn't have a problem with uh, 
eternal security. By that I mean once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't lose your salvation. And they, they don't believe in eternal security. They believe that you can lose your salvation if you turn your back on, on Christ, on, on the Christian faith. You can lose your salvation is their belief. And I have, you know, that was before I had any kids and me and the other coaches, the other coaches and I, would uh, sit in the coaches' room and we I mean, we'd debate eternal security for three hours. And it was really fun. But it's almost, I would say, we have a lot of people, we've all seen people who make a profession of faith and there's never any fruit and you say, did, were they really saved? It's kind of that, I mean, in a lot of ways it's the same thing. Where they, Oh, yeah, they were really saved for a week. You know, but then there was no fruit and they, then they turned their back on it. Yeah. I'd love it if you comment and jump in on that at all. Or anyone else. Um, well, you know, the parable of the seed and the sower, it, mm-hmm. it um, spells out those that receive the word and received it with gladness and sprung up, but then having no root when the trials of life came or whatever, they died. And um, the Lord said in Matthew 7, many will say to me, Lord, in your name we cast out devils, we did all these wonderful works, And the Lord's going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. It wasn't like they once were saved and then weren't. If a person's truly saved, there will be fruit in their life. And um, it doesn't mean they may not not err. If they're a child of God, Hebrews 12 says that they will have the chastening of God in their life. And if they don't have that, and it's, it's, not, it's not easy for us to say, oh, look, that person has the chastening of God. I mean, God's chastening begins in the least intrusive ways to begin with. But um, otherwise, you remove the fact he gives unto them everlasting life. And... Um, I believe there's a lot of people that say they're saved that never were saved. So it doesn't mean they had it and then lost it. They never had it. And there's never been an evidence of change in their life. That You mentioned the chastening of God. We all hate that. I mean, we all hate the chastening. But the, the discipline is so important. I was looking for Wayne. We had... In sociology class on Wayne's in my sociology class, and on Friday we were talking about the family, and um, I I just threw out the question, you know, why why are things going down the tubes uh, with the family? And several of them said discipline. Kids have no discipline today, and it's really funny to hear a 16-year-old saying, "Kids have no discipline today." Yeah. I like when I was a kid, and uh, <laughs> um, uh, but um, both Wayne and I kind of made a similar kind of statement that I don't see that. I, I I don't see a lack of discipline among little kids. Um, and the reply: How many people, Wayne? Three or, three or four people said, "Well, that's your church." 
you see that you have discipline in your church. But most of the kids don't have that. And um, so the church being a extension of, you know, God's design and God's, you know, family, um, the chastening actually happens right there, which is, uh, that, that was a, what's the word I want to look at, affirmation that was really neat in, in, in class the other day. My thought is, as bad as the world is, you don't have to be very good to stand out. You know what I'm saying? It's true. I mean, and uh, not minimizing here, but thank the Lord for a testimony that... Um, that they see. Right. But we all know what our kids are like, right? <laughs> because we know what we're like. But, you know, they didn't... They, I'm trying to make eye contact with Wayne, which I never get to do in class either. He just, no, <laughs> but, but, right when they, nobody said, "Well, Baptist kids are good," they said, "Baptist kids have been disciplined." Didn't you get that? Isn't that what? That's what. That's what these other kids were saying. That that your kids have been disciplined. And it was interesting. It was a really interesting thing. Anyway, okay. Um, uh, anyway. Um, so Menno Simon becomes this, you know, this leader uh, of the uh, of the Anabaptists for quite a while, um, and and he and some of the others um, who kind of fled Munster, you know, set up this this type of uh, this this thing. Some years later, we're talking like, okay, now we're talking to. 1500s there. In the middle of the 1600s, another guy comes along by the name of Jacob Amon. And Jacob Amon uh, is, is in Switzerland, and he flees Switzerland uh, as a young adult, and actually as a middle, middle-aged adult, and goes to what Alsace, which is today in France, but it's been one of the, that region between France and Germany that's constantly getting run over that the the French put speed bumps on the Audubon to slow down the German tanks. And the, uh, uh, you know, these not, anyway. The, uh, but, but there, there he, he becomes, or he was a Mennonite. And so this, he's not at all a contemporary of Menno Simon. He's 150 years later. And the Mennonites have become a pretty seriously established group. Uh, enough established that they have their own name. They are, they are separate from the uh, Anabaptists and from the Baptists, and separate enough that the Lutherans and the Catholics are picking on them pretty good too. And uh, Jacob Amon is disgusted by what he finds in Alsace, partially because they're French, and partially, not really, but, uh, but, but, but mostly because what he's found is what we find everywhere, where you have a large group, you're going to have ones who are pretty weak and without discipline. And ones who will cave in when, when the going gets tough, and then later on say, oops, I'm sorry, and want to come back in. And, and it's not to say, again, I'm not trying to say that 
we're not to be forgiving and that we're not, you know, we all sin and so forth. But it was almost exactly the same thing that happened with the Donatist who said, wait a minute, you can't, you can't have these people who said, you know, all oh, right, under, the, under persecution, I'm leaving them and I'm becoming Catholic. And now that the Catholics have been pushed back, I'm going to come back and please forgive me. Um, the same thing was here, that the Mennonites were accepting people back into the church after they had denied Christ or had denied the Baptist faith or the Mennonite faith. And Amon said, we, we can't have that. We've got to have discipline. And so he sets up this church over here that has pretty much all the same tenets of the Mennonites, which have all pretty much the same tenets of the Baptists except the, the pacifism thing. And he says, he says, but we're going to be disciplined. We are going to be, we're going to be the hard-working ones. We're going to be the ones that everybody goes, ooh. Okay, and, and, that's, and they became known as the Amish. And so the Amish came out of the Mennonites. And at that point, now, now he did not have anything to do with, uh, and by golly, we're not going to advance in technology from this point. No, we're not going to wear zippers and you know, only have buttons. I mean, he's, that wasn't him. Um, he, was, he just said, we're going to be more disciplined. And that has evolved into what we have today with the, with the Amish being, <coughs> by golly, we're, we're going to be very separatist. Um, and that, you know, the thing about, about, about living a very disciplined life even as a even as a Baptist, as a born again Christian, as whatever, is that it's really easy to start to take pride in that, in that boy, I'm really something, you know, I I'm the one that, you know, when really anything we have, we have from God, anything and everything that we, if if you know, don't don't be proud that you have a good marriage, you know, the one couple out here who has a good marriage, the. Uh, um, you know, because you got that from God. You know, don't be proud that you're in really good health because you got your health from God. Don't be proud that, that you're able to memorize Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. Great discipline because you got that from God. Don't be proud that your kids turned out really great because you got that from God. Everything that we have, we've got from God. But it is so tempting to look at somebody else and say, oh man, your life is really screwed up. I must really have it together. And it was because I'm disciplined. And we should be disciplined. But it leads to, I'm good and I have these blessings because I did these things right. And the aspect of, of this discipline, we can get where we worship our discipline more than we worship God, you know. I get up and read my Bible every morning. Well, do you hear from God? Or are you just going through the checklist? And, you know, in, in all of these groups and movements, um, everything drifts away from truth. And if it starts out with, a, with an air, needless to say, the drift is going to come much faster. And... Depending on the group of Mennonites now, there are various groups there that it really, because of the emphasis on discipline, 
which is a good emphasis, and you combine that with not believing in eternal security, um, that they really, there are various segments of it that they're into the work salvation. That it's, if you don't, let's face it, if you don't believe in eternal security and you get to heaven, who gets to glory in that? I do. You do. You'll be able to say, look it, we made it. It's a work salvation to a certain degree. And, and so there is that element there. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be able to say, we did it. We're going to say, all praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And, and in this, the, the Mennonites, because of that, they're, they drift into the work salvation. The Amish... Um, Aryan, they play, <laughs> they play, but they would tell you that they're not, depending on the ones you talk to. Um, and you know, you see it, you see it in in any kind, in every kind of church, including Baptist. That churches were here at one time, and they've drifted over here. And you know, the the burden of everything comes back to every one of us being a student of the Scripture. I mean, how did Mano Simons, he became a student of the Scriptures. And we ought to learn to, I mean, don't just sit here and believe everything you hear. Search the Scriptures. And, uh, you know... Or Snopes. (laughs) (laughs) But to find out, is this what the Bible says? And to me, that's the miracle of the work of God in spite of all man being involved in it, the work of God has continued. With all our frailties, all our driftings, um, and it is. It's, it's like little shoots off a tree springing up in, in the Netherlands. Well, it was the Spirit of God. It wasn't we can trace it, as Mark said, to this man carried it, to this man who carried it, to this man. The Spirit of God. It's and God the, still is at work. It's not the swine flu. That's right. The, uh, la, last thing I'm going to throw out on, on this was that when, when Amon's group split, so many of these groups, it's, it's like you got this big group and here's a little split. It split down the middle. And it was like 50-50 at that point. You said the Mennonites. And they didn't call them Amish at that time. They, they were Swiss brethren. And you've heard of brethren churches. Okay, the brethren churches are, they would trace theirs back to, to Jacob, Amon, and then and the Amish. You mentioned the different groups. You've got Old Order Amish, and then just, they don't call them New Order, but, but Amish, which aren't as strict. Then when you get in the Mennonites, you have Beachy Amish, which are not Amish, they're, they're, they're Mennonites, but they've got some really unusual rules. Like they can have a car, but it can't have any chrome on it. And it has to be black. And it can't have a radio in it. Um, And then you have old order uh, Mennonites, which would be ones who are, they're very strict. Um, Women um, absolutely can only wear dresses or, or, or skirts, no matter what the situation is. Women must always have their heads covered, and you've seen women, like at 
you know, out and about that have a little doily, veil, veil, I don't know, but you know what I mean. Sometimes they're black, sometimes they're white. Um, and because the Bible says cease without praying, and the Bible also says women should have their head covered when they're praying. So if you're going to cease and pray, pray without ceasing, and, and you better have your head covered all the time. Um, and then uh, General Conference Mennonite, which are very close to Baptists. It's pretty much the same. But, and, but they all tend to settle at the same place. I mean, they're all... Like at the Iowa Mennonite School, we had General Conference, Old Order, and Bichiami Shaw all in the same school. And, and Any questions or comments? Now, I'm so, Marvin, you had your hand up an hour ago, and I didn't follow you. 